0: It's me, it's TRG, the rambling gambler, a vest-wearing, ring-bearing, son-of-a-salesman. This is episode 38 of our Casino Combat Podcast. The imaginary big book of numerology says that the number 38 is about relationships sustained through creative expression. Teamwork, cooperation, and diplomacy are all in the realm of number 38. <laughs> wow. Uh, Couldn't honestly be more on point for this week. Uh, Let me do the legal stuff real quick and uh, I'll start explaining why. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary person, Paul Simon's wife, and the new Bohemians. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local Problem Gambling Hotline. If you do not know your local Problem Gambling Hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you. We will make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items, unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity okay we've got a lot to get to as well as some behind the scenes stuff that uh, i want to share with you in a minute but with 37 episodes already published we have a list of stuff that newcomers need to know so let's do that quickly there's a book about how i play slots it's free and i'm happy to send you a copy If you want one, send an email to me via trg at casinocombat.com. Don't forget, spell combat with a K. And in the subject line, put the words slot tactics. A bot will send you a link to download the book. Yes, I know it shouldn't work. And when it doesn't, I'll tell you. But it worked again this month as it does almost every month. There are games hidden in the podcast. Item number two. There have been winners, there are prizes, the details are in episode 22, you are welcome to play and win. Guardian and the Jet have not checked in yet, item number three. Item number four, Casino Combat has a YouTube channel and there is a playlist called Boot Camp, and Bootcamp teaches all the core concepts in about 90 minutes. Casino Combat is also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The links are on the Casino Combat website. Don't forget, combat is spelled with a K for fiduciary reasons. Like everyone else doing this social media stuff, your likes, shares, subscriptions, and reviews are very helpful in spreading the word about this podcast and letting people know that it exists. There you go. Now even our new friends know what's going on and we can get started. I've got a fair amount of stuff to share with you in this episode. I'm going to do a core concept segment and discuss side bets what they are and when they do and do not make sense as part of a casino combat game plan i have a casino wisdom segment for you today but not about any specific casino wisdom that i've created but rather about things that are shared often player to player in a casino that are sometimes not really so wise Uh, i did a bunch of traveling and gambling this week and with some interesting reasons so we will have a travel segment and some results and observations. Ultimately, it's the end of the month. We will finish up in the VIP lounge. I'm going to do one quick story, and then we're going to review the results for the month. No spoilers, but I will say that on the last day of the month, things could have gone either way. So that's the roadmap for the episode, and I'll get started in a minute, but I wanted to share some behind-the-scenes moments from the week with you. When I started this, I didn't know if anyone would listen or enjoy it, but I knew I had to be prepared for people not to like it or enjoy it. It's the nature of performance and it's the nature of a topic like gambling for profit. And I've been really fortunate. I'm sure there have been plenty of people who've listened and decided not to keep listening, but the feedback I've received has been positive and encouraging. Well, this week's, yeah, this week the negatives kind of started to land. And the first was Will being told online that the podcast is junk, which really didn't bother us. Love it. Hate it. It don't matter. Thanks for mentioning it in an online group. Publicity is publicity. But the second one was tougher to handle. And the reason I mentioned this is to close out something that I mentioned uh, several episodes ago. I don't remember how many. I used a website to create an app for tracking results in real time in a casino. It's really useful as a record keeping and accountability tool. And I wanted to bring it to all of you. So I submitted it for publication. I assumed that in a matter of days, actually at the time I did it, foolish me, that I'd be able to tell you about it and tell you how to download it and tell you what to do with it. And if you wanted it, you could download it in your phone and you could have the same tool um, that I use. Well, after almost two months, I received a rejection notice last week. No reason given. I assumed that I had done something technically wrong, so I contacted the website to see what needed to be done differently to get my template published. And the response I got back was pretty tough to take. I'm still salty about it if I'm, if I'm being completely honest. The owner of the website did a Google search and he read the description of the podcast using gambling as a side hustle and without ever listening to a single word of the podcast decided that I'm a fraud who deceives people and therefore banned from his website under the terms and conditions of the website. He decided this because he knows you can't win at gambling. And I suggested that there are shows on ESPN with people successfully gambling with sports betting and that's an example of winning at gambling. I asked him to actually listen to some episodes to understand what I do and how I do it. I offered to send him my data table by table, machine by machine, but his mind was made up. I'm a fraud. I'm deceiving you and according to him, and he's in charge because he runs this website. And so my app for tracking results will not be published. So I'm sorry. I talked about this over a month ago. I was excited about it and it's not happening. At least it's not happening that way and it's not happening soon. His ignorance isn't something I can overcome and I'm not going to put any more effort or energy into convincing someone who is, is close-minded. There's just nothing else I'm going to do on that point. I'm not going to get in an online battle with him. I'm not going to start slamming him. I'm not going to come on here and slam him. I just It's not worth doing. But, but the point of all this isn't, I got some negative feedback this week, and I feel bad. No, this is episode 38. This is about relationships sustained through creative expression. This is about teamwork and cooperation. Because while all of that was going on, as I was angry and Will was hearing negative feedback, a couple of great things happened. A listener, Police Lion 22 took the time to not only ask for a copy of the slot book, I mean, that happens, you know, several times a week, sometimes many, many, many times a day, depending on the, the day and the week. Um, but he took the time not only to re- request the slot book, but also to include some kind words about the podcast, certainly offsetting whatever somebody said online. And once again, I thank them for the publicity. <laughs> and, and then I heard from Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream, Cream Man works in the casino industry in the St. Louis area. He shared with me um, that he listened to a few of the recent episodes of the podcast and decided to go back and start at the beginning and listen all the way through so he'd understand all the details and the references and he wanted to support the podcast. Even working in the industry, he listened and decided there was enough value here to listen and to start a dialogue with me. He even took the time to share one of his stories that involves some of the ideas in the core concepts. Before he became a listener and knew there were core concepts, but still some of those ideas. And so here's kind of a paraphrase of what he shared with me. It seems that after becoming a dealer, he learned to count cards. And in the game of blackjack, obviously, and took half a day's pay to a casino where he didn't work to see if his knowledge of the house side of things combined with card counting could produce a win. And he called that half-day's pay an EBR, an experimental bankroll, money separate from and in addition to his normal gambling money used to test a theory. Over several days, he turned half a day's pay into 50 days pay, before losing half of it back on the last day with a tough losing streak. And in his words, he learned in the process that he needs to tighten up his exit points. But still, a nice win as well as lessons learned. So... EBR, Experimental Bankroll, gets added to the Casino Combat vocabulary because it's a great label for a great technique. It's always fun when we hear about other players' adventures. As far as EBR goes, Gabriel and I use EBR all the time. I created an EBR to test my slot strategy. Gabriel created an EBR when he started his craps journey. An ice cream man sharing his insights into both the podcast and gambling and some terminology While also working in the industry, is an illustration of this podcast being a creative expression that builds relationships, teamwork, and cooperation. Right where we want to be for episode 38. Ice Cream Man, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for sharing. There was no way you could have known, but our conversation helped me get past being canceled by a website because I'm a fraud in the mind of one ignorant person. Okay, after that overlong opening to the podcast... Let's talk about some core concepts. One of the core concepts of casino combat is finding and making wagers that keep the house's advantage as small as possible. Minimum house advantage wagers, which generally means table games like blackjack or baccarat. It's very common for these tables to include additional bets called side bets. Side bets are usually, but not always, optional wagers made in addition to the primary wager. On a blackjack table, there might be additional circles to bet that the player's first two cards and the dealer's up card will create a three-card poker hand. Or there might be a wager that pays an ever-increasing project progressive jackpot or portion thereof if the player and the dealer have a total of three sevens in the first three cards in baccarat there are often side bets that can be made on the specific score of the player or the bank hand so how should we handle side bets always never sometimes my simple advice is ignore them they're usually not a good wager and they are distractions but as always i have some more advanced and nuanced thoughts about ways to look at side bets, and you know, these are kind of more advanced ways to consider things, I guess. My first thought is that this is a wager like any other wager, and our core concepts teach us to look for wagers where the house has a minimal advantage. So when I evaluate side bets, I turn to the experts at wizardofodds.com, and I look up the house advantage for the side bet I'm considering. If a side bet has a small enough advantage, I mean, something it's going to have to be under 5%, folks, you know, 5% or less. I may add an additional 10 units to my buy-in to make that bet alongside my blackjack bet. So if I'm buying in for $100 at a $10 table, I would add another $10 to make $1 side bets. That said, side bets with a very small house advantage are few and far between. So I don't make side bets for purely gambling purposes very often. I have, however, found other reasons to make side bets. For example, a couple of years ago, Gabriel was talking to the to a floor person at our local casino and discovered that they track the side bet separately for the purposes of points and rewards. So the computer isn't tracking a total of $11 bet on Blackjack. It's tracking $10 bet on Blackjack and $1 bet on the side bet. And since the side bet has a large house advantage compared to Blackjack, Significantly more points and reward credits are earned by playing just a small amount of money on the side bet. So at that casino, if Gabriel or I are near the end of an earning period and trying to get enough points to reach a specific tier in the reward system, Gabriel and I I often make the side bet to accelerate the amount of points we generate while playing. Now I still use the same positive and negative exit points for blackjack, but I have some extra money in the game generating points as well. Sometimes the extra bet pays enough to help with the profits, and sometimes I end up leaving more quickly. But this is a great example of playing to win the game of casino gambling, not just the game of blackjack. The other time a side bet can be worth making is if you can take advantage of it by counting cards. For example, suppose a side bet pays off based on the player or the dealer receiving a seven value card in the first two players cards and or the dealer's card that is face up to start the game well we know there are four seven value cards per deck so in an eight deck blackjack game there are 32 seven value cards as players we can keep a running count of how many sevens have been dealt if we are nearing the end of the shoe and there are a large number of sevens that have not been played we have an advantage over the house or have significantly reduced their advantage over us on this wager at this time. And if the other players at the table are friends of ours, and if we've maybe talked about this and we can bet it all together and share the winnings, very good things can happen by making the side bet. Uh, Look, as I often say, heroes and crooks, you decide which that is, but it is a way that you can use a side bet effectively. So there you are. You have core concept takes on side bets, how to evaluate them, and a couple of reasons to make them even if they are not a wager with a minimum house advantage. Let's have a moment of casino wisdom and talk about some traditional casino teachings that are not always wise. I'm not aware of too many things, but I know what I know if you know what I mean. And one of the things I know is that some conventional casino wisdom isn't actually wisdom at all. From a casino combat point of view, casino wisdoms should involve knowledge and an action. Most of these that I'm going to talk about today don't have an action, and some of them don't actually really have any knowledge. But I thought today we would look at some cliche phrases that are often passed around as wisdom in a casino. For instance, often a less experienced player will sit down at a blackjack table and be confused by a side bet. And a veteran will tell them, it's a sucker bet, that's why it's there. Or you will have a player excuse themselves for making the side bet by saying, I know, it's a sucker bet, but it usually pays off for me and I'm done after this hand. As I illustrated in the previous segment, the side bet may or may not be a sucker bet. There are a few fair-ish side bets around. And there are other reasons to make side bets, as we just discussed. So the conventional casino wisdom isn't actually very wise in this case. It's really just a generalization kind of from ignorance. Another conventional wisdom that you often hear in a casino is, scared money don't make money. Players say it about themselves when they make a larger than normal bet, or player A says it to player B when they split or double or both at a blackjack table. At some level, this is true. You can't win if you are afraid to lose money on a wager, because you just won't make the wager. But I have a couple of issues with this. First, the phrase is often used to make an overly large bet, which I'm generally against. Second, for me, the first rule of gambling is don't gamble with money you can't afford to lose. If you can afford to lose it, and you have a wagering strategy that matches your bankroll, you should never be scared by a bet you're going to make. You planned it all ahead of time. You knew what wagers you were going to make and how and when you were going to walk away. What is there to be scared by? The last cliched conventional wisdom I want to discuss today is a Mrs. TRG favorite. Don't give it all back! (laughs) Look, I often chuckle when she says this because it often comes up, When we're taking a break after a small win planning our next table. Of course we always want to win not lose but if we just won less than a full buy-in at our first table of the trip there is a chance that we're going to give the entire win back on the next table. So saying you don't want to give it all back is a little bit silly unless we're going to change our plans and decide to leave after one table. Since we rarely gamble together locally it rarely makes sense to leave the casino after a small win at the first table. But there are times when this is a really good piece of advice. The time for this piece of advice is after an unusually large win. I remember years ago, we were gambling at the Flamingo in Las Vegas, and a young man from the Netherlands was playing with us. He was making $200, $300 bets at a $15 blackjack table. Something kind of seemed off to me. But his English was limited, and my Dutch is non-existent. But what we found out from various employees after the fact was that the day before, on his first day in Las Vegas, he had won multiple tens of thousands of dollars on some side bet. And he had been making, betting big and losing ever since. The theory on the property was that he thought that kind of win happened all the time in Las Vegas, and not knowing how rare his win was, he was looking for the next one with larger and larger bets. People had tried to tell him that his, bet was, that his win was unusual, that it was rare, that it was special, and not to give it all back, but the language barrier didn't allow that advice to register. He ended up losing it all back and more over a few days. With big wins, I always think the smart play is to set aside most of it as untouchable, and then have fun with the rest until it's gone, or until another big win occurs so you can repeat the process by setting some more aside. In the case of big wins, not giving it all back is actually almost a casino wisdom. All right, hopefully that creative expression sustains the relationship. Let's do a travel segment and sort out where we went, where I went, and what the results were this past week. I mentioned last week that Team TRG was in pretty good shape heading heading into the last week of the month. And that I didn't know exactly what the gambling schedule was going to look like. I've been looking at evolving what I do and the plan for what I do for a few weeks. I need to lay that thinking out for you as kind of a prelude to what actually occurred. Stick with me. This next part's going to take a minute. But it it's related to not only the past of this podcast, but the future of this podcast and how travel decisions were made this week. So I promise it'll all fit. But you're just going to have to stick with me for a minute. As it relates to brands, casino brands, national brands, for years I really had no loyalty to a national brand because I rarely had access to them for more than, you know, once or twice a year at most. Gambling was illegal in my state and the closest casinos in neighboring states were not part of a national brand. So, you know, Caesars, Boyd, MGM, my choice, none of that really mattered because I really couldn't get to them regularly. Well, about 10 years ago, gambling became legal in my state, and the casino that opened 30 minutes from my home was part of the Caesars brand, and I was through the roof at the time. I knew this was a breakthrough moment in many ways for me as a gambler, and I became very loyal to the brand very quickly and reached their top tier the first year my local casino was opened and stayed there until it switched brands a few years after it, after it came into existence. And when that switch happened, the nearest Boyd property was almost four hours away. The nearest My Choice properties were two hours away and didn't have hotels. The nearest MGM was two and a half hours away and the hotel was expensive. So even with my local casino not being part of Caesars anymore, I focused on playing locally with smaller bets to maintain benefits like access to the VIP lounge and free parking locally. And I took more frequent trips to Las Vegas and Atlantic City to make larger bets and maintain my relationship with Caesars. And gradually over time, my children moved out of the house, and a pandemic occurred. Sadly, our dog passed away. And all of a sudden, a crazy idea that I had joked about for years was possible. Using casinos all across North America for profit and luxury travel on a mostly comped basis. I knew my local casino wasn't going to be useful for that, but I already had a Caesars relationship. And with Casino 2, as a recently converted my choice property, I had two national brands to work with. If you've been listening, I've described that process. I built my relationship with Casino 2 from nothing to fully comped rooms in a few months with rather small bets. I regained Tier 3 status from Caesars to avoid resort fees. I gambled at the Tropicana in Las Vegas for the first time since it's a my-choice property, and I did that in hopes of getting some comps started there. Look, it's taking me way too long to get to my point here, and that's true, and that's on brand. Um, Excuse me, but my my Tropicana play worked out. I have now received this month, in March, I have offers for comp rooms for three nights any day of the week, each month for the next three months, with a modest daily food and beverage comp to go along with it, And I only gambled there a couple times for a very short period of time each visit. So I started that relationship, piggybacking it off of what I did with Caesars. And now it's a viable option. It's certainly a viable option for part of my stay almost immediately. And the pandemic's helping with that. Let's be honest. If I'm willing to go, they're willing to try to help me out now that they know I exist. So my relationship with two national brands is in good shape. So, what does that have to do with travel this week, TRG? What does that have to do with you telling me the results? Well, about two and a half hours west of my home, there is an MGM property with a hotel and a My Choice property with a hotel within five minutes of each other. The state they're in has been in heavy, heavy lockdown, so I've only made one trip there since the start of the podcast, but I really want to get my relationship with the My Choice property there going to the point that they will comp me rooms. And I thought I just wanted to get the MGM property to the point where. I had some food comps and some free play to use on my way to or from the My Choice property, but ever since MGM tier matched me to Caesars, I've been thinking about my MGM relationship differently. You see, as that additional region back, back up, opens back up, I really have some options. And options are nice, particularly if I'm traveling overnight with, with my wife. We can go east based on available goodies. We can stop at an MGM slot parlor and then in a My Choice slot parlor, and then settle in for the evening at our home casino, Casino 2, which is My Choice, and then pick up additional free stuff at Casino 1 on the way home by adding just a little bit of travel. We can hit four casinos, all part of what we do. Or we can travel west the same amount of time, stopping at a My Choice casino a couple of hours away. And pick up freebies there and then travel another hour to either a My Choice Hotel and Casino or a very nice MGM uh, casino that really deserves to be called a resort. It has all the amenities and they're all wonderful. And I can layer in MGM properties in Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Once again, piggybacking off of my Caesars options or the Tropicana in Las Vegas, and I can use those as home bases while I build out the relationship with the MGM properties. If I can do that if I can maintain my tier status with, which, with MGM, and that would be really nice. That would give us lots of choices and lots of options and lots of places to get goodies while staying somewhere else or moving back and forth. That would be great. But objectively, returning to Earth Looking at math and numbers, I'm not playing large enough to earn and maintain tier three status in three systems. I'd need to play more often, play more hours, and make larger wagers at all three um, brands to make that happen. But what does casino wisdom number six teach us? Casino wisdom number six teaches us when there is a problem, remain calm and look for a casino solution. So my problem was I want to earn and keep tier three status or better in three reward systems with modest bets and a fair amount of regional gambling, not paying for airfare and going to Las Vegas. So I went looking for a casino solution, folks, and I found one. MGM offers a credit card that gives you tier credits for each dollar spent. It's very different than the Caesars card. The Caesars card gives you reward credits for the dollars spent. Essentially, they give you free money to spend at their properties for money you spend off of their properties. Well, or on their properties, I suppose. So, MGM card, tier credits for money you spend, regardless of where you spend it. More tier credits if you spend it at their properties, but tier credits nonetheless. So, I got that card. And a rough review of the math indicates that if we just channel the normal spending that we do on our personal and business debit cards through the MGM card, and then pay them off every week with the debit cards that we would have used, which is to say the bank accounts backing the debit cards, which is to say cash, we should be tier three or tier four with MGM for as long as the program exists. So I'm gold now because they matched me. And I should be able to stay gold or even move up to the next tier, which I think is Pearl. I don't know. I'd have to look it up um, by just spending money normally. And we have the rest of this year to earn enough tier credits from spending to maintain that status going forward. Our comps will still be based on our actual gambling and MGM properties, but that's more than fine. We will get plenty of other benefits from our tier status and our country club our vacation club will be expanded to include all of the MGM properties as well. I have an MGM slot parlor near me, near one of my clients. I go there several times a month. There's a very nice MGM property two and a half hours away, the same distance as my home casino. I mean, there's a real possibility that a year from now, I'll be telling you that that MGM property is now my home casino in my mind. Very, very possible. We have family right on the way. We have good reasons to go that direction once things are open and and fully functional. And then from there, I can build my Las Vegas and Atlantic City MGM relationships slowly. I can do that as part of doing other things I'm doing in the area, and I can just see where the relationship goes over time because I'm going to keep that relationship by buying groceries and putting gas in my car and doing all the other things that I would normally do With a debit card, I'm simply going to do them with a credit card instead and then pay the credit card off with the bank account. So with a casino solution that allows me to implement a three brand strategy, I took a midweek ramble west, of course, right? Haven't been there in a while. It's more open than it was the last time. So first stop, two hours west, my choice property, where I've gambled at least once a month, if not more, since starting the podcast. I picked up a free bet won money playing a slot machine, and had a nice run at a blackjack table. All told, I left that property in a little over an hour with a day's pay and profits. The blackjack table was really interesting, and I want to tell you about it. The dealer David was excellent, and when I joined the table, it appeared the other gentlemen at the table were regulars, since David spoke to them by name. They were both solid players, and my game got off to a good start. We were soon joined by a young woman who bought in for $20 at a $15 table, and said she had never played before. And if she had not told us, it would have been obvious she put her money in the wrong place. She just obviously had never played before, and that's more than fine. Always want to welcome people, always want to be an ambassador to the process of both blackjack and casino gambling. And David did an excellent job of guiding her through the plot process, explaining everything as we went while keeping the game moving along. Her first hand was a hand that should be doubled, and she had made and lost a $5 side bet So she had only $15 in the circle and no other money, so she had to add another $20 uh, to the process, making her buy-in $40. She won her double and continued to play and learn. The thing I found amusing was that about 15 minutes in, she was up $30 as the cards were shuffled. And she remarked that she was doing well for her first time and should probably leave since she had almost doubled her money. Take note of the word almost. At this moment, she is clearly aware of her second buy-in, aware that her total investment in the game is $40. But she didn't leave with her profits. She continued to play, and eventually, with only $30 in chips in her hand, she put $15 in the circle to make a bet and said to all of us, well, if I lose this one, I'll leave and be even. So she has now forgotten her second buy-in of $20, And if she leaves the table with $15, she will be, air quotes, even. Her buy-in is now $15 in her mind, not $20, and not $40. Well, she lost that $15 bet, the bet that if she lost, she was going to leave and be even, and then promptly forgot about leaving, air quotes, even. She bet and lost her remaining $15 and thanked David and left. Clearly, she was gambling for entertainment, not for profit and David made sure she had fun and learned something about the game. But watching her play was a useful reminder of how our brains trick us in the moment into forgetting details and amounts unless we have good guardrails like the core concepts and casino wisdoms to inform our choices. And we have to keep ourselves accountable in some way. So that was my observation and my lesson from watching her game. So with a nice quick win, some goodies, and some my choice points, I headed the last hour to that wonderful MGM property and a partially comped room. And these rooms are some of the nicest standard rooms I've ever seen. I've stayed in them several times over the years and I am always impressed. They are really, really nice. A lot of high-end features that I rarely see anywhere else. There's a video walkthrough of the room on our Instagram if you want to see what it looks like and see what the features are like and that kind of thing. The gambling was good. I had some winning tables and some losing tables. Finishing up largely even for the evening, which means ahead for the day. What stuck out to me was that they had installed plexiglass everywhere and in large amounts. Playing blackjack was like being in a small private room, shaped like home plate on a baseball field with one side open to walk in and out of. Um, And every player had their own, and communication is obviously difficult, but other than that, a nice safe place to play and safe for the dealers, I would imagine. According to the materials in the hotel room, the air in the casino was replaced with UV-filtered outside air every four minutes. They're changing over all the air in this massive casino every four minutes, or they're publicly lying to a bunch of people about it. It felt safe several months ago when I was there, and it feels even safer now. The next morning, I made my way to the nearby My Choice property before heading home. I wanted, once again, to get those points, build that relationship, Remind them that I exist. Remind them that I'd like to come back. I had a slot machine win and a blackjack loss. And in hindsight, should have left at that point. But I was trying to build that relationship. And that means gambling. So I played two more slot machines. I got plenty of points. It took quite a while. But both machines were losing machines. I got home and Mrs. TRG says, Boy, things didn't go well this morning. Gave back all your wins from last night. And that's accountability, folks. You see... She has a copy of my app on her phone. So as I put in data, she can see everything I do as I do it. And once again, I'll point out that the human mind, the human mind is an interesting place. My initial response to my wife was that I won money the first day and lost some of it the second day. And she said most and I said some and she said most and I said some and that happened over and over and I finally said, well, that's why I record everything in the app. Let's take a look. And so I pulled up the spreadsheet and re-reviewed the numbers, and it comes down to defining most and some. We could both be right, but I should probably just say my wife was right. It was a winning trip, but I didn't win much, and I'd have been better off skipping the last two machines. Once again, hindsight's twenty-twenty. But that said, I did win some money, and I earned points at two properties I'm trying to build a relationship with. And as long as those two machines don't end up being the difference between a winning month and a losing month, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with making the trip, making the observations, determining when I think it's going to be safe and fun for my wife and I to go together, and and building that process and building that relationship. Because that region, that area, two and a half hours west of here, could be very, very, very useful and fun for us in very short order, depending on how things go. So it had been a few weeks since we took a couple's trip, and Mrs. TRG wanted to go somewhere for an evening over the weekend. She's a busy lady, hardest working woman in teaching, hardest working woman in gambling as far as I'm concerned. The My Choice and MGM properties I just talked about were too expensive on the weekend, even with a partial comp, which is why I made a trip there midweek. Our home casino is currently comping us a room every two weeks, so I was just there the week before last, so I didn't have a room comp there. The other my choices close by don't have connected hotels and don't comp nearby hotels for my level of play. At least not at this point. But no worries. That's why we have Casino One. (laughs) Good old Casino One. Been in my life, it seems like, forever. Um, It's not part of a national brand. It doesn't fit our mix in that sense. But a quick text to my host, Bubba, midweek. And he comped us a room for Saturday evening. That's why I keep them in the mix, right? If we need a place to go, if we need something quick and fun. It's always quick and fun. It's always easy. They always treat us well. And it's a great place to stop for freebies because it's right near Casino 2, our home casino, if we're over there and making our way back. So he set us up for Saturday night. I had free slot play, a comp drink, and some table match play. And again, we noticed that since our most recent visit there, a lot of plexiglass had been put up at this property as well. And they've reconfigured man, the slot machines into small groups instead of larger rows all stuck on top of each other. So we started our gambling knowing that a few losing tables could create a losing month. Our first table was rough. The dealer repeatedly would draw four or five cards to build a 21, beating good hands that we had split or doubled and then built. But I won a decent amount on my free slot play and had another winning slot machine after dinner. And we had a couple of winning tables and I had another winning slot machine and we were about ready to wrap things up and Mrs. TRG was sure that a machine she really likes was going to pay out and she ended up taking a, a pretty significant loss on that. She played for a long time, which is the good news and the bad news. It took a long time for the machine to reach a point where she didn't win, and that means a bigger loss. But she earned a lot of points and just never got a bonus of any kind. And ultimately, if you're not going to get a bonus to put you over the top, you're going to at some point probably lose and, and be done with the machine. That said, despite her losing machine, we both finished the trip with a win, which kind of tells you where we're going in the next segment. But a very busy, very, very fun week. A very productive week in a variety of ways. Almost two days pay as a couple for the trip. Which means when we crush all the numbers, we should have a profit after expenses this month. So join me in the VIP lounge. I got a quick story. And then I'll run all the numbers down for you since we know it's gonna how it's going to turn out. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Our VIP lounge is open, our still water situation from last week is fixed, and we have sparkling water as well, both soda and pop, sorry, not artisanal or handcrafted this week, best we could do, name brands, can't get any better than that this week, sorry. All the best virtual bottles, as always, help yourself, pour yourself something, I think I'm sparkling water guy this week, I've got a busy day yet today, Um, but make yourself comfortable, I want to recap the month in just a second, but one funny story first, Um, or at least I think it's a fun story. Many years ago, I met a gentleman named Ronnie at Casino One. He owned a bar in my home city and a small vacation home near Casino One, and in the summers, he would gamble while his wife worked in her garden at the vacation home. I'd gamble with him several times a month every summer. We became such good friends that at one point I managed to get myself into a split, 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 double, double, double situation at a blackjack table. And I was a few, a few dollars short of making the last double, which shouldn't ever happen. But for whatever reason, it did in this situation. I told the dealer I would double for less. And Ronnie says, no, 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 don't do that. And he hands me a hundred dollar bill. And I told him, thanks, but I really don't want to go to the ATM and pay fees on a hundred dollars. If I lose this, I'm done. And, and the last thing I want to do is go to the ATM, pay the fees to give you your money back. And his response was, I see you all the time. You can pay me next time. I tried to refuse again and he existed again and I accepted. I knew I wouldn't renege on him. I knew I'd probably frankly go to the ATM and pay the fees to make sure he got his money back. I won the hand. I returned his money. But as a result of that, he became one of the very, very, very few people that I was willing to loan money to in a casino. So when gambling became available locally, because he owned a bar in the area, I would see him often at my local casino, you know, almost as much as I used to see him at Casino One. I mean, other than the summers when he was at his summer house. And from time to time, he would ask if he could borrow $100 and I'd always loan it to him. And he would always find me again within the next week and pay me back. He would sometimes find me and check in with me just to make sure he didn't owe me money. That's how good a friend he was. That's how good of friends we became. So one afternoon, we're playing in High Limit in my local casino and the fire alarm goes off. And the floor says, no worries everyone, I'm sure it's a false alarm. It'll be cleared soon and everything just continued as normal. Until a few minutes later, the phone on the podium rings and... The floor has a conversation with unknown person in unknown place in the casino and he announces that everyone needs to color up and make their way to the exit. They are closing the pit. They are closing the casino because this is not a false alarm. There could be fire in the building. Well, my buddy Ronnie is always full of surprises. He pulls a badge out of his pocket and hands it to the floor and says, I'm a fire marshal. There's no fire and there's no danger. You do not need to close this pit. It can stay open on my authority as fire (laughs) marshal. So there were about six of us gambling at various tables and we're all kind of stunned and surprised. And so the floor person takes the badge, makes a phone call, ends up reading the badge number and some other information to whomever this other person is that he's speaking to. And a few minutes later on Ronnie's authority, we return to our gambling while the rest of the casino shuts down around us. We ended up gambling basically six of us, three or four dealers and a floor person, oh and a security person, a security person came in to watch and protect us. Uh, while the whole rest of the casino was closed and locked. Um, I actually had to wait to color up or wait to cash out, not color up. I had to wait to cash out till my next visit because the cage was closed. Every part of the casino was closed when I left, except for our little oasis up there because Ronnie turned out to be a fire marshal. And unfortunately, I kind of stopped seeing him. That was actually the last time that we ever gambled together. I stopped seeing him around. I haven't seen him, you know, all summer at Casino 1. I haven't seen him in years at Casino 2. So I don't know if he found other interests, uh, had an illness, moved away. I hope nothing bad happened to him. Mm, But... As often happens, I saw him so often in the casino that I didn't have a phone number or a last name for him, so I just don't know what happened, unfortunately. But that story is a nice way for me to remember a variety of good times with a very fun and interesting person. So, results for the month, and the reminder, as always, I'm not trying to impress you. You should not be impressed by this. I am not bragging. This is peanuts off of relatively small wagers. I'm acquainted with plenty of people online who travel to Las Vegas a couple times a month and get comped large suites. They're given thousands of dollars of free play and free comps and other goodies twice a month. So that's not why I'm doing this. And I always want to remind you that's not why I'm doing this. Part of Casino Combat is gambling by the month, not the table, not the machine or the day. So at the end of each month, we need to look at, how things went and determine if we have a profit after expenses or if we lost and spent money on gambling. And if we did lose and spend, did the amount of free stuff exceed what we lost and spent? Losing months are when we lose and spend more than we received in value. It's been a long time since we had a losing month by that definition. Much longer than the amount of time I've been doing this podcast But we only know this if we keep track of our numbers and if we take a minute at the end of the month to check things out and record the results and all of that. And while I can't prove to you that I am telling the truth, this is as close as I can get to making sure you know I'm not a fraud and I'm not trying to deceive you despite what some ignorant tech oligarch thinks. I'm going to stop saying that. I promise had to get it in one more time. Ah, So I'm going to once again use the model of earning $1 a day. And I've converted everything to that standard. Basically, if you want to know how this would impact your life, what this would mean in your life, figure out what you earn in a day and multiply it by all these numbers. And then you'll know what this would be for you in real dollars in your life. Here we go. We received $0.23 in gifts. Gifts should pick up again. I think they've been more limited due to the pandemic and casinos just didn't know how to plan and how to order and shipping's a mess. We received $0.25 in free bets, $0.17 in match bets, $3.87 in comps, mostly rooms, but some food and beverages as well. Remember, that's if I made a dollar a week. A dollar a day, sorry, a dollar a day. We received 38 cents in free slot play and won 13 cents. So our cash from free slot play returned to a more expected level after several really, really, really good months. We won $3.04 gambling at table games. We won 96 cents playing slot machines. So that means that so far, using my slot strategy, the one that I give you for free, and gambling that way with our own money, during this podcast, we have won money playing slots every month except one. In total, we have we won $4.14 gambling. We had $2.15 in expenses related to gambling. So after expenses, we have a profit of $1.99, just short of two days pay one for the month after paying the bills related to winning the money. In total, cash and comps received, we benefit $6.88 from gambling this month. Not a barn burner, but a solid win, and we used creativity and teamwork to accomplish that. Given how rough the month started out, a very, very solid outcome for the month. So results have been documented and reported. The winnings are in the bank and in the safe. The spreadsheet has been saved and cleared. There's a good chance that on my way home from work today, I'll start gathering comps, gifts, and results to start the new month. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are, yo, 11 chips that you can find in this podcast from start to finish. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers, but don't tip away your wins. If you want to tip your casino coach, that's me. You can go to anchor.fm slash casino combat and click on the donate link. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a ramblin' man. If you have questions, send them questions at CasinoCombat.com. If you have techniques to share, send them to what I do at CasinoCombat.com. Don't forget, we spell combat with a K. Love it. Hate it. It don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone.